Hi, good morning again. <clears throat> James chapter 1. We'll read verses 17 to 21. <clears throat> you know, when we gather together on the Lord's Day, it's always my desire, and I pray it's yours, that we would be able to ascend in our minds out of this world and that we would have all of our thoughts directed vertically toward God, that our affections would be fully set upon the Lord and that we've prepared ourselves to seek the Lord. Um, one, of the, one of the phrases in our passage today speaks of that very thing. You know, you can sit before the Word of God, but if your heart's not ready and right, and you're not prepared to receive it, then it'll go in through one ear, ear and out the other. It'll be like as in a leaky vessel. It'll all leak out. And so I pray that, beloved, we are ready to hear from the Lord. I pray that I am ready to hear from the Lord. Even as I preach it, I want to hear from the Lord. So pray with me. Father, we pray. We call upon you our Heavenly Father, that you would please descend in the midst of our gathering and speak to us, O oh God. Father, this is, not a, this is not public speaking, Father. We are gathered to hear from you. O oh God, I pray that you would take me out of the way. Just use me as a mouthpiece that your Spirit might speak to these dear saints of God, to those that are lost as well. Oh God, I pray that most of all you would receive the honor and the glory for what is said, that your word would be effectually used in those that hear it, and that, Father, that it would be received not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in us that believe. Help us, Heavenly Father. Oh God, we pray. We call upon you, Father. We ask you to do that which is supernatural in us. Reveal yourself to us. Unseal this book to us, O oh God. And Father, if you don't unseal it, then we won't know it. And so we pray for it and we ask for it. Help us, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 17 from last week. James says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God is the author of all good. The greatest of good gifts being his great salvation, which he has given those of you who are saved. He goes on to say, of his own will begat he us. He birthed us by his own will with the word of truth. That's the instrument that he used. Listen, if you're saved, it wasn't by some type of emotional experience. It wasn't because you saw some light. It wasn't because you went out and looked at the heavens. That points to God. But you won't be saved looking at the heavens and at the stars. 
Beloved, if you're born again, you were begotten by the word of his truth. Born again, as Peter says, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. If you're saved, it's because you believe the word of God. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, Paul says, because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. For therein, or in that message, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith into faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so, beloved, if you're saved, it's because you believe the word of God. You may not know a whole lot of it, but you know this. Christ came into the world to save sinners, and I'm one. And I believe in that death of Christ on the cross for my sins. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, Paul said this in the beginning of that letter to the saints at Ephesus. He said this. He said, in whom also you trusted after that you heard, there's that phrase again, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit promise. And so, beloved, of his own will, of God's own will, which that is, that's amazing in itself to consider that we were not born of our wills, not of our own wills, but of the will of God. First John 1.12 tells us that. So of his own will begot he us with the word of his truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You're a new creation. In Christ. Verse 19. Wherefore. Or because this is all true of you my beloved brethren. I love James uses this term three times. He says wherefore my beloved brethren. And he calls them my brethren several times. I love this. Talking to believers. Because this is true of you. Because you've been born again. Because you believe the word of truth. You've been begotten by the word of truth. By the will of God. Let every one of you. Let every man among you, every one of you, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Now listen, it's very easy to take a passage like this and apply it generally to how we conduct ourselves in our everyday Christian lives. And listen... We should as Christians desire to be like this. I want to be swift to hear and slow to speak. I'll tell you I have problems with this sometimes. I want to be swift to hear and slow to speak. And beloved, you can take this and apply it generally. And we should desire to have character like this in our lives. In our families. With our husbands. With our wives. At work. We should want to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, in traffic, in conversation, and when you're being reproved and corrected. But what is the context? I know we can take that generally. The context of this passage, remember verse 18, we were begotten by the word of truth. Now James is teaching us that we as Christians don't stop receiving the word of truth. We were begotten by the word of truth. Now we must continue to receive the word of truth. Whether it be by personal reading in your devotions. Or by hearing it in the ministry of the word. Or by hearing it from a brother or sister who comes to you perhaps in meekness. To reprove or correct you. 
We need to be able to receive the word of truth. James is teaching us how we ought to hear it and receive it, but he's also warning us against wrong reactions to the word. If we're not swift means ready to hear the word, well then we may react wrongly to it being preached to us, read to us, or if someone's using it to instruct or correct us. In fact, Paul told Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And listen, you know as well as I do, it's sometimes not so comfortable to hear the word, right? It's not so easy to read a passage and you go and, man, that's hitting home. But that's what the scripture's for. It's all given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, to teach you the truth, for instruction, good so far, for reproof. Okay, now it's getting difficult. For correction. I mean, listen, sometimes it's not a, I mean, you got to have some humility to want to receive some biblical correction from someone. Listen, you need humility. The Bible tells us when we talk to someone who doesn't know the scriptures or maybe doesn't know something, we're to, we're to in meekness instruct those that oppose themselves. If someone's overtaken in a fault, we are to go to them in the spirit of meekness. Considering ourselves. And so, first thing James is teaching us about is being swift to hear. What? The word Swift to hear God's instruction. Listen, you know as well as I do, there's two different reactions from two different spirits. And listen, you could be a Christian and not take, not be swift to hear. There are times where you just, you're kind of in a foul temper and you're just not ready to hear. And that's why it's so important that we spend some time before we come into the presence of the Lord as I think the wise man says, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. Be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. I'd love to put a sign right in the beginning of the, when you walk in and it'd be watch your step. And somebody might say, well, there's no step here. No, it's not that step we're talking about. And so, beloved, we should come into the presence of God swift to hear. It means ready to hear the word of God, ready to listen, to be attentive. The word hear means to hearken. We have the sense of hearing, but you know as well as like my wife, like she'll be talking away and she'll say, did you hear a thing? Did you hear, did you hear what I said? And I said, yeah, I heard you. She said, no, you didn't. <laughs> and she's right. So my fault for lying about that. I mean, I heard some of it, but I'm not, I, I heard, but I wasn't paying attention. And so, James is saying, look, we need to hearken. We need to be, listen, when we come to the word, when we open the word every single day, we need to be ready to be instructed by the word, ready to be reproved, ready to be corrected. And you say, well, I don't like all that. Well, get ready because we need it often. We need it. We need constant correction. Look, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort and guide me. I need to be put back in the right way. I won't if I'm not swift 
to hear. Listen, if you don't come to the gathering or to your devotions in the word humbly and with a teachable spirit, you will not learn Christ. You will not learn Christ. I mean, look, you ever read? Look, you've done this. You read over some passage in the scriptures and you just kind of want to pass it up. No, brethren, we must not do that. And again, hearing the word of God can sometimes be an uncomfortable and unpleasant thing, especially if we've sinned against God. But hearing and receiving and being corrected by the word is needful and necessary. It's needful and it is necessary if we would continue in the faith. I'm saved, brother. Well, turn to Hebrews 3. You said if I continue in the faith? Yep, that's what I said. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12. Listen, I believe and I know that if God saved you from your sins, you're every bit saved. But that doesn't take away your responsibility to continue in the faith. Listen, you say, I believed back on this date. Well, do you believe today? Every single day, beloved, we need to Awake and believe Christ deliberately. You need to be walking by faith each day. We need to be approaching God each day. Listen, I'll say this. If you're not approaching God, you're departing from God. If, not a, you're, if you're not approaching God, you're departing. Look at verse 12. Uh, let's see, verse 12, 312 of Hebrews. He talks about before this, just so you'll know where we're at. He talks about the children of Israel, how they provoked God in the wilderness after they had departed in the Exodus. He says, now take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you, brethren, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Exhort one another. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Listen, that's a bad recipe. Hearing the revealed will of God and provoking God after you've heard. He said, How be it not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. I take you back to verse 12. Take heed, brethren. Verse 1, let us therefore, let us therefore, Christians, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. 
Listen, if you didn't come to the gathering this morning swift to hear what God would command and teach you from his word, first, it's highly disrespectful to God. And listen, I've said this before. The speaker is not important. God is important. I mean, the speaker is important, and, but it's God's word that's important, brethren. And so to come and to not pay attention and to hearken to the preached word, or to open your Bible and your devotions and to just skim over it and don't take it to heart. It's highly disrespectful to God and his word. Second, you've got sin problems in your heart and you are in danger of departing from God. Listen, if you're not, again, approaching God, you're departing from God. So how often, beloved, do we come to the ministry of the word dull and tired, unready, even unwilling, to hear God's word. And listen, you know as well as I do, you can be tired to do something, but God can, can excite your spirit if it's something that you desire. And if you get sleepy at the preaching of the word of God, you have to ask yourself, why am I getting sleepy at the word of God? Well, I'll tell you, because you're dull of hearing. We should be awake. 13 of Matthew. Matthew chapter 13. I mean, why is it that you can do something that's not biblical, something that's worldly, and you can pay attention with perfect detail, not be distracted if things are going on around you. You can be fixed with all kind of stuff going on around you. But why is it in the quietness of the assembly that you fall asleep under the word? Now I realize that you might have been up all night. I get that. But beloved, it's a spiritual problem. And listen, we need to be awake. We need to awake out of our spiritual slumber. Look, the apostles asked Jesus why he spoke to the people in parables. He said, you know why? Because it's not given to them to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to you it's given. And Christian, it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. He's given it to you. He's, he's revealed himself to you. You've been born into his kingdom of God. And you should have a lively salvation, a lively faith. You should awake to righteousness when you come before the Lord in his assembly. Jesus said, In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Esaias, which saith, 13, 14, By hearing ye shall hear and not understand, and seeing ye shall see and shall not perceive. I love what George just read. When he got to the end of those parables, he asked his disciples, Have you understood these things, boys? I said, Yea, Lord. No, they didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got it. Jesus goes on, for this people's heart is waxed gross. Their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest at any time they should see with their ears, eyes and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I shall heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Beloved, we should be completely awake in the presence of God. Listen, if you were begotten with the word of God's truth, 
saith, James, you need more of God's truth to grow in grace and continue in the faith of Christ. So you ought to be swift to hear. You should always be ready to hear the word of God and then ready to hear it again. You should be ready to read it and then read it again, knowing that you live the Christian life by the word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceedeth out of the mouth of God shall man live. That's your life. It's the bread of life. Look at Acts chapter 10, probably one of the best examples of how we ought to come to the ministry of the word. This was Cornelius. He had called for Peter. He came there. Cornelius got all of those people together that were waiting for Peter. And Cornelius told Peter about him sending for him. He says in verse 33, Immediately therefore I sent to thee. And thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore we are all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. That's that's probably one of the best passages on how you and I should come to sit in the presence of God and to hear his word. See that? We are all ready. It's like he's saying we're swift to hear and we want to hear the word. Acts 17 and verse 11. You know, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about, let us give the more earnest heed, lest at any time we should let these things slip. It actually means, it, it, it brings in with a picture, I used to build these cypress hot tubs for a company, and you would take cypress staves, and you would tap them onto a, a round uh, piece of wood, and you'd put metal straps on it and pull it together, and you'd fill it up with water. Well, it leaked like a sieve until the cypress swelled. And then it stopped leaking. And our minds are like that leaky hot tub. Leaky, it, it leaks out. We, we need, it's, we're the ones that let it leak out. We're the ones that let it slip. And we need to take care that that doesn't happen. These brethren of Berea in verse, verse 11 of chapter 17, Paul says... These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. Is that how you receive the word? And search the scriptures daily whether those things are so, and that you should do as well. In fact, that leaky vessel verse is right here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Pay attention. Pay attention. Lest at any time we should let them slip or run out of our minds like out of a leaky vessel. For if the word was word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? So first, beloved, we need to be swift to hear. Jesus says, take heed therefore how you hear. Because listen, you can come to the word with presuppositions in your mind. You can come to the word as a critic. 
or I'm going to criticize the message, or I'm going to judge the message, or if you come like that, well, you'll get nothing. So Jesus says, take heed how you hear, for whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he seemeth to have. <clears throat> and so, beloved, we ought to come and be swift to hear, ready to hear, on purpose. We ought to have a purpose when we come to the ministry of the word. Second, let every man or everyone among you, Christians, be slow to speak. Once again, in the general sense, this is always a best practice as it pertains to speaking. We ought to all be slow to speak, and we ought to think about our words before we speak. But if you're like I am, sometimes we're slow to hear and swift to speak. And you know, listen, we really need to practice this because you know what? You can say you can say something. You can't take words back. You can ask for forgiveness. You can get things right. But the damage has been done. When we are swift and ready to hear and receive the word, it should produce in us a carefulness and a caution in what and how we speak, knowing that as children of God, we represent Christ in the world. Listen, people... People are lost. They may not want to believe in your Christ, but they're sure going to judge your Christianity. And you know how they're going to judge it? Mainly by how you speak. What you say. Listen, as receivers of the Word of God, and James first tells us you need to be a receiver. Like this old military saying, you got two ears and one mouth, so listen twice as much as you speak. So as receivers of God's word, our speech should always be seasoned with grace. God's word ought to always be the centerpiece of our conversation. We ought to know how to speak a good word in due season. Swift to hear, slow to speak. In fact, the Proverbs, words fitly spoken are like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. Words rightly spoken, good words. Our words ought to edify. Our words ought to bring Spiritual health. They ought to point people to Christ. The words of the wise man in Ecclesiastes are as goads and as nails fastened by the master of assemblies. Masters of assemblies. So our words ought to be guiding words, always pointing to that straight gate which leads to eternal life, pointing to Christ. But James is teaching us, again, to be slow to speak. And to think before we speak. And that is because we have a dangerous dangerous little member in our mouths called the tongue. And we're not there yet. And we'll be there in James chapter 3 in some time. But we're talking about being slow to speak. And as children of God, you need a tamed tongue. You can't tame it. James says that the tongue can no man tame. You know who tames it, huh? Only God can. God tames the tongue. Our tongues must be tamed by learning and practicing the word of God by the spirit of God. But again, if God doesn't tame your tongue, you can't do it. An untamed tongue is full of fire. 
It's an amazing passage. James says there's a world of iniquity in an untamed tongue. It's such a little member that boasts great things. In fact, if you have an untamed tongue, you should not, you must not stand here. James says in the beginning of chapter 3, My brethren, be not many masters, or let not many of you become teachers and preachers of the word. Why? He cautions. Why? Because as a preacher, you're going to be doing a lot of speaking. And you're going to be judged more strictly in your speaking. And every word that you speak will be judged whether in the pulpit or out of it. And so James says, be not many masters. Listen, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account of in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. And it makes you not want to say anything. But listen, words, the word of God is a gift, and words ought to be used by us to point people to Christ to teach them the gospel of Christ. It ought to be used for us to edify and strengthen one another. Look at Proverbs, a few passages in the Proverbs. We ought to be swift to hear. Swift to hear the word. And that should beget in us a slowness of speech, a slowness that we ponder the path of our feet. Or if I could say that we ponder what we might say before we loose that little member that's in our mouths. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 19. In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin. In other words, you talk too much, you're going to sin. In the multitude of words. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. Psalm 141. Set a watch before my mouth, O Lord. Keep the door of my lips. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The tongue of the wise, this is Proverbs 15, useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. We should not be people of many words, but when we speak, our words should have good matter in them. Our words should be edifying. Proverbs 17 and listen, you go back to the origination point. This is all going to be begotten in you. It's going to be cultivated in you by the word of God's truth. Beloved, this is learning Christ. Proverbs 17, 27. He that hath knowledge spareth his words. And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. You're right there, 18, 13. He that answereth a matter before he hears it. It is folly and shame to him. Be not rash with thy mouth. And let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. That's Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 2. Oh, what great need have we all as children of God to be swift to hear and to heed God's word 
so that the Spirit of God might form a godly carefulness and wisdom and grace in us in what and how we speak as servants of Christ. Listen, when you speak, Christian, you're speaking as a servant of Christ. Swift to hear, slow to speak. Psalm 39, Psalm 39, and we'll move on to the final warning from James. Psalm 39 and verse 1. The psalmist said, I will take heed. I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good and my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me while I was musing. The fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, Peter says. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And be always ready to give an answer to every man that asks you of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Beloved, we need to be swift to hear. We need to be slow to speak. And finally, we need to be slow to wrath. Even here, that which is of greatest importance in being slow to speak and slow to wrath is in how we receive the word. It's in how you receive it, your readiness to receive it. We ought to see how important it is for each of us to cultivate and practice the word and to hide it in our hearts. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, his words, by taking heed thereto according to to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Sin with my mouth. As we must have God to tame our tongues by his power and grace, so we must have God to tame our spirits by his power and grace from being quick or swift to unrighteous and sinful anger. Listen, if you're hasty in spirit and you heat up quick, that's a problem. I mean, that's something that, beloved, you need to trust God for that. You need to confess that to the Lord. You need, to, you need, you need grace from God for each day that you would not be like that in your spirit. One of the worst things that could befall us is to have a spirit of sinful anger, anger and wrath between any in our gathering. Between any of us as individuals, as children of God, to harbor and get angry. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7, 9, I believe, anger rests in the bosom of fools. It, it, they keep it there. It smolders. They don't ever deal with it. They don't ever repent of it. They don't ever cast it off. Beloved, don't ever think, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just Irish, I just get mad. Or I'm just this way, I just get, that's just the way I am. No. We must never say that's just the way I am. No, beloved, a Christian ought to be slow to anger. Listen, I'm not speaking of righteous indignation or anger against sin and wickedness, but a hastiness in our spirits to get angry toward any. 
Listen, how many churches churches have been destroyed because there was no godly humility or meekness that existed in the hearts of the people? Only by pride comes contention, anger. But if at least one of those persons has some humility, then things can be worked out. Listen, instead of being ready to love and by kindness cover the faults of their brethren, they were fueled by pride, ready to contend and be angry toward each other. And churches are destroyed. Relationships are destroyed between brethren. Beloved, we need to be slow to wrath. You remember King David, 1 Samuel 25? Remember he sent this man, he said, hey, Nabal's rich man over there, they're having a, they're, they're shearing sheep. That was usually a celebration. They had a feast. David and his men were in exile from Saul, and they protected Nabal's people in the fields. They made sure that they were not hurt. So David sent his young men there and said, hey, go ask Nabal for a couple of pork chops and, you know, just see if he'll give us some food because it's a good day there for you. The Bible says Nabal flew upon David's men in a rage. He said, who is David? He sent them packing, sent them on their way. David heated up quick when he heard that. His men went back. His men showed some deference because they heard it. They didn't fight back. They just listened and they, they left. Not David. Put your swords on, boys. We're going to kill them all. It was a mission of personal vengeance because you were talking about David. Good thing it was for godly Abigail to go down. And she was a wise woman that reproved him. And if she wouldn't have, Nabal, he would have been a dead man sooner than he was. And so David's anger was wrong. Just listen to Proverbs 12, 16. A fool's wrath is presently known. But a prudent man cover a shame. A fool's wrath is presently known. It's quickly known. Again, the Proverbs 29, 14, 29. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. But he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. A wrathful man stirreth up strife. But he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. That should be us. Blessed are the peacemakers. Listen again. I come back to the elder's office. An elder must not be one who is soon angry. In fact, Titus, he is not soon angry. He is not prone to be angry. James 1.20, for the wrath of man worketh not. It does not produce the righteousness of God. This is not how we demonstrate the righteousness of God. And so if somebody disagrees with you doctrinally, you don't fly in a rage toward them. You don't send out messages. You don't talk about them. No, beloved. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Listen, there's going to be disagreements between us as, at, at times as brethren. There's going to be some doctrinal things that maybe we don't understand. Not the foundational doctrines of the faith, but things that maybe 
somebody disagrees with you or I on. But beloved, we must never disagree in anger and with a bitter and wrathful spirit. It's terrible for young Christians to see mature Christians fighting. Or for the world to see these Christians are fighting with one another. Where's that love that should exist between them? Where's that love that should exist between them? The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Again, Solomon speaks, the words of wise men are heard in quiet more than the cry of him that ruleth among fools. Listen, all you need to do is go and look at the scribes and Pharisees and remember the anger and the rage and the envy that they had against Christ. And what had he done to them except good? What had he done to them except good? They definitely did not have a wise ear to listen to his wise reproofs to his word. And so James finishes this section in verse 21 by saying, Wherefore, because that you've been born again by the word of truth, you ought to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And if you're not, wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Superfluity is a word for abundance. An overabundance of naughtiness, of malice, of wickedness. Rampant wickedness. Lay it aside. Lay it apart. Put it away. And he says, And receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Receive that which is planted in your hearts and minds by the ministry and instruction of the word. Or that is implanted in your hearts and minds by the study of the scriptures. And when you find it for yourself to be true... Keep it and hide it in your hearts that it might be engrafted in. Like it becomes part of that good tree. James says it is able to save your souls. I'm already saved, brother. Yes, you were every bit saved when you believed Christ. But every day of your Christian life, you are in need of being sanctified by God's truth. Every day of your Christian life, you are in need of the word of God. You are in need of being propelled forward in your Christian life. You are in need of strength for your faith. And for that, you need the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's not just a salvation verse. That's a Christian life verse. Faith cometh by hearing. The strengthening of your faith and hearing by the word of God. You're in need of God's truth daily that you might be conformed to the image of Christ, that you might be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And that's why you are in a continuing need of receiving the word with meekness. See, that's the only way to receive God's word, with meekness. If you come to it resistant, you won't get anything from it. And so, beloved, that's why I say it's so important that you come to the ministry of the word you don't like Jimmy, put him aside. Listen to the word of God. We have a continuing need of the word so that you would endure unto the end and finally be saved. 
when you receive the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Now, Ephesians 4, and I'll finish. Ephesians 4.25. Paul speaks to the church at Ephesus. He says, Wherefore, put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands that thing which is good that he may have to give, give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Be followers, therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. To the lost, if you're lost and you're still lost and you've heard the gospel, you've not been ready to hear and receive the word of God if you're lost. You need to be swift to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ that your soul may live. You need to believe the gospel of Christ. Cast aside your pride and rebellion against God and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ with humility and meekness. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. If you're not saved, then you need Christ. <coughs> to you that are children of God, Be swift to hear the word. Slow to speak. Slow to wrath. Remember, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness, moral impurity, thoughts against God. Wherefore, lay apart all of those things, filthiness, superfluity, or abundance of malice, naughtiness, and receive continue to receive with meekness the engrafted word man get the spiritual mud rake out and pull the weeds out and make sure that good seed of the word is, is cultivated in your heart receive with meekness the engrafted word the implanted word which is able to save your souls beloved we need this we must not let it slip we must not receive the word as un into a leaky vessel We've been given such a gift. I pray that we not be negligent with it. Amen. Well, let's dismiss in prayer. <clears throat> oh God, please help us. Father, these three commands, I know that they depend on how we receive the word. Father, we first have to receive the word. And Father, when we do, I believe your spirit will help us 
with sparing our words and speaking that which is edifying, O God. O God, may the faculty of our speech, may our words be only edifying and not sinful. May we not have a fool's mouth. Please help us, Lord. May we be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Oh God, please help your people. As we learned in the first hour, Father, may we love one another as you have loved us. And by this shall all those that know us know of a surety that we are your followers. We are your disciples. We are lovers of Christ. And you've given us your love. Oh God, help us this day. Help us not to let these things slip. Help us, oh God. You know, sometimes we're so often distracted. Father, we've got things on our mind. All of us are busy. But Father, help us find those quiet places of meditation. Help us to tend to the word. Help us to tend to our hearts. Help us to give ear to the word every day when we look at it, when we open up this precious book that we have. O oh God, may the entrance of thy word give us light in our souls. Help us, Father. Help these dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Help these that are lost, Father. O oh God, do your work. Send your Holy Spirit, Father. Open the hearts of those that are lost like you opened Lydia's heart, Father. I pray that you would do so. I don't have the power to do that. We don't have the power to do that. Father, your spirit must go forth. Your word has been preached, and now we'll trust you for the rest. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.